Please be seated for our Bible readings. The first reading is taken from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning at verse 1, and it can be found on the page 177 in the New Testament section of the Church Bible. In this reading, Paul writes to the church in Corinth to remind them God's faithfulness, the importance of unity, and of the power of the gospel of Christ. Paul, called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and our brother Sosthenes, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, together with all those who in every place call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that has been given to you in Christ Jesus. For in every way you have been enriched in him, in speech and knowledge of every kind, just as the testimony of Christ has been strengthened among you, so that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will also strengthen you to the end, so that you may be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. By him you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Now I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you should be in agreement and that there should be no divisions among you, but you should be united in the same mind and the same purpose. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there are quarrels among, says, might have listened that now, says I belong to Paul or I belong to Apollos, or I belong to Cephas, or I belong to Christ. Has Christ been divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one can say that you were baptized in my name. I did baptize also the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to proclaim the gospel, and not with eloquent wisdom, so that the cross of Christ might not be emptied of its power. For the message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Glory to you, our Lord. The gospel reading is taken from Matthew chapter 4, beginning at verse 12. It can be found on page 3 in the New Testament section of the Church Bible. In this reading, we hear of the beginning of Jesus' ministry in Galilee and the calling of the first disciples. Now when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee. He left Nazareth and made his home at Capernaum by the lake, 
in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light, and for those who sat in the region and the shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to proclaim, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, and casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. As they went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending the nets. And he called them. And immediately they left the boat, and their father followed them. Jesus went through Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, curing every disease and every sickness among the people. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Would you like to sit? And I shall pray. (coughs) Oh, we welcome you, Holy Spirit, now to help us understand and to appreciate what it means to each one of us individually to be called by Christ to be confident in him and the cross. Amen. I wonder if you picked out anything in those readings. My word, there was an awful lot to take in, wasn't there? Uh, Two long passages. Uh, I'm not, I'm not going to focus at all on the Matthew one. I'm going to focus entirely on the, uh, the Corinthians reading, the first one that Rachel's read to us. And uh, I'm going to pick out those words again that I've just prayed. And uh, you go away with all the C's in your mind, all right? Called by Christ, confident in Christ, and confident in the cross of Christ. Yes, I'm going to focus on that part, of, on part at least, of the opening chapter of Paul's letter to the church in Corinth. Do you know that church in Corinth was a church that was very much in the world, as it had to be, but sadly, the world was in the church, as it ought not to have been. And Paul writes to actually set right the attitudes, the errors, and the actions that were going on in that church that he viewed with alarm. In many respects, the the, the letter, uh, 1 Corinthians 1, uh, is an encouragement letter. Uh, He wrote it to a group of people whom he really cared about, for he'd been instrumental mainly through his preaching that many of them had come to know Jesus. And he was at pains to emphasize their new way of living. They should not in any way live as the non-Christian world lived. They didn't have to go it alone any longer, but they were uh, trying to live in their own strength. No, rather, they could now live in 
and through the power of the Holy Spirit. This was really a moment uh, for encouragement, but it was alongside the very firm correction and rebuke in what he writes. Well, firstly then, called by Christ. You know, as so often in his letters, Paul starts by asserting his own apostolic call. Called by Christ. Called by Christ to witness faithfully and sent from his hometown to Corinth and elsewhere with the gospel, with the good news. You know, decisively, leadership, as I hope we all appreciate and are aware of, is in God's plan for his church. God wants decisive leadership, and we need today, more than ever, men and women who are called by the will of God to be apostles with that glorious message and who declare it with God-given authority. You know, the vocation, the calling, the vocation to full-time ministry and church leadership is very thrilling and is one that does indeed call for our prayers, uh, our love and our support. We should be praying, loving and supporting those who may be sensing that call, any we might know. We should, we pray, indeed, we love and we support our Will Ingle at the moment, called and now training. And we pray and we love and we support Ian and the others in our deanery who've been called and are in full-time ministry and leadership. Well, Paul is writing to the Church of God in Corinth, those who are he says, sanctified in Christ Jesus, those who are called to be holy. All of them. All of them. I wonder quick, how quickly they had forgotten that calling to be saints. I wonder whether at times we forget our calling to be saints. I haven't seen many brass plaques at your doorways uh, announcing St. James lives here or St. Mary lives here. How about it? That would start people talking, wouldn't it? You know, there should be nothing casual or half-hearted about our Christian discipleship and our fellowship together. We have been called we have been chosen. We have been set apart. God has called us to be a holy people, to be different, to be different to the world, to be different in our lifestyle, different in our standards, different in our attitudes. And we are called, look at that verse 2, we are called together with all those who in every place call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are called together with others. We're not called to be holy in isolation from each other. Holiness is not a private matter. We are called into membership of a group of people committed to him 
committed to Jesus, our Lord and Savior. And therefore, because of our oneness in him, uh, we are called to uh, uh, share and to be uh, committed to each other. And we are to live in shared fellowship. And you know, the joy of fellowship is heightened by the realization of our oneness with Christians everywhere. And how I've appreciated over the years when traveling that experience when meeting so-called strangers of discovering and enjoying our oneness in Christ. And in verse 9, we are called into the Listen to this. Remind yourselves what it is. We are called into the fellowship of God's Son, Jesus Christ. Called into the fellowship of God's Son. Wow! What a privilege. Sinful man that I am. Sinful men and women that we are. Called by our almighty and holy God to enjoy union and fellowship with his son. How we rejoice afresh in that objective truth that we are united with Christ and able to enjoy each day the reality of a close walk with him. Yes, we are called by Christ to be holy. And what makes us so different is our confidence in Christ called to be holy but with a confidence in Christ and it's a confidence which calls for a thankful response in verse 4 Paul declares how he always thanks God always thanks God I think he underlined it it's a statement that should be echoed by each one of us you know it's one of the great blessings of the spirit-filled life is to overflow with gratitude, thanking God each day. The old hymn said it, didn't it? Count your blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Counting them with thanksgiving. There will be times, though, for all of us, when we may feel weighed down with problems or worries, even times when it seems that things are going against us, even times when the devil seems to be having a field day, then more than ever, because of our confidence in Christ, we turn in thanksgiving to God. How David acknowledged that in Psalm 23, when he said that there is a table, a banquet prepared for us, in the midst of our enemies. Those enemies that come our way, so easy to focus on them and not to take note and to appreciate that banquet, the many blessings that God has prepared for us. And Paul actually lists particular reasons for our thanksgiving. In verse four, for God's grace, Do you ever stop and thank God for his grace in your life? Grace, reminding ourselves of that mnemonic. Grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. In verse 5, 
thank you that we have been enriched in every way in him. How we rejoice. I love singing that chorus. Give thanks with a grateful heart. As the poor now say, I am rich. In his second letter to the Corinthians, Paul writes about the hardships he's endured as a Christian, as having nothing, yet possessing everything. You know, you and I will be stripped one day of all our earthly possessions, but we shall stand richly clothed in robes of righteousness, which we are to appreciate and be thankful for here and now, each and every day. In Ephesians, we read once again of the riches of Christ, which are ours. And James writes of us as rich in our faith and inheritors of a kingdom. We're spiritual millionaires, and we give thanks with a grateful heart. And we give thanks, in verse 5, that we can speak freely of Christ. And in that same verse, that our knowledge of Jesus is increasing, that we lack not, or we need not lack, spiritual gifts. Verse 7, that we have that sure and certain promise of Christ's return. And in verse 8, that we are being kept by God to be presented blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. So give thanks. Give thanks because of this confidence that we have in Christ. Yes, we give thanks. We have every reason to be confident in him. Yet, says Paul from verse 10 onwards, you Christian Corinthians, you have been distracted and you have allowed the people who brought you to Christ to become more important than Christ himself. And division has split your ranks. You know, one of Satan's ploys is to cause Christians to quarrel and disagree because he knows that the preaching of the gospel is made less effective because of this. Disagreement and dissension sap our energy and they drive us apart as we can so easily concentrate on the petty differences and lose sight of what, it really, mat what really matters. I read, and, I, and, and you must be aware of too, of congregations here, there, and everywhere that are split apart over silly things such as the choice of organ or guitar, of messy church or, or formal church, and whether they're going to have hymns or whether they're going to have songs, or whether they're going to have pews or chairs, and whether the vicar wears robes or not whether the preacher's got an overcoat on or not. Please. How sad. How sad. Paul brings everyone down to earth with a reminder of what really matters. He says, I am here to proclaim the gospel. Here to proclaim confidence in Christ and to preach Christ and Christ alone. And that is the role of the church, the role of each one of us. We must never allow the human element, any personal desires, to distract us from staying faithful 
to our calling and remaining confident in Christ. Yes, I am here to proclaim the gospel, declares Paul. And he writes of that gospel. It's in verse 18. He writes of it as the message of the cross of Christ. And he goes on to say, that message is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved. To us who are being saved, it is the power of God. True then and true today. You know, the preaching of salvation by the grace of God alone, by the crucified Christ, the preaching of righteousness, peace and reconciliation by the blood of the cross, the preaching of a sufficient sacrifice by Christ, offering himself in our place, is sheer nonsense to an unbelieving world. But to us, who are being saved by the power and the grace of God, this gospel which we proclaim is the power of salvation. I know that to many the cross speaks of humiliation, of defeat and death. But to us who believe, we see in our Jesus on the cross God's true character of mercy, forgiveness and love. We see the true cost of God's mission to rescue us from our sins. The cross of Christ is mocked and scorned by many. We have that privilege and responsibility to lift it high. It's an empty cross, for Christ has risen and has conquered death and evil. And all who cling to that cross are and will be forever victorious with him. So as we continue on life's journey, oh Lord, help us to remember each day that we have been called by Christ, called by Christ to sainthood, that we have every reason to be confident in Christ and that the cross of Christ is the true and the sure foundation of our faith. And everyone said, Amen. Amen indeed.